And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. All right. Wow. How fun is this group? So good to be with you guys here at Hope Culture Church. I think this is uh, one of my, I think I got to visit like one or two times here. And so great to be with you guys. I kind of feel like a distant relative to Hope Culture Church. Like I, 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 I love Dan and Abigail. They, they started with us down the street at River City Church. And then uh, yeah, we were to help send them up here. And then I talked to Dan on the phone most every week and follow on uh, YouTube and on the social media stuff. Uh, even though this week I've kind of wanted to unfollow Dan and Abigail. Anybody else seeing all their, their pictures of, oh, we're in Corinth this week, oh, Thessalonica, and here we are, let's see what Paul's doing. And it's beautiful blue skies and all this stuff, and it's amazing. We love you guys. We're so happy for you. Forgive me of my jealousy. Um, you know, it's just, just a few times I've had to repent. But no, it's, it's so good to be here and uh, so excited. And, and, and I do love them and just so thrilled and so excited to see what God is doing here. And uh, I do sense that. I, sh- I shared that with the, the team this morning. There is just a, a spirit of hope and love here that people feel. And I, and I love it that uh, when people come in, you, hopefully you feel that, you sense that. Uh, I just wanted to, before we get moving forward, I want to celebrate one other group as a portable church that sets up every single one. Would you guys take a moment and just celebrate this team? that shows up here early to do all of this. Uh, Man, you guys are incredible. You guys do an excellent job. So exciting. So as you said, we're continuing this Galatians series. We are, I love the book of Galatians. Incredible. Picking up in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers, who were not circumcised. But after, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message. I said to Peter in front of all of them, all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws, are now living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? I know Allison has prayed, but I just want to pray one more time. Holy Spirit. Help us as we dive into your word, Lord. That is what shapes us. That is what conforms us more to you. Use these moments, Holy Spirit, to speak to each one of our hearts and lives. Change us. Form us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So you guys have, have been in this, this series of Galatians. This is week chapter or week three. We're just in a chapter two. And you guys have been going over and over that this idea that, that this, we can't get enough of, a, that this idea that 
theologians and has been said throughout history, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? Jesus plus nothing. It is grace and by, it is grace by faith alone. And so often over time we are tempted to add it. When we say Jesus plus something, it actually equals nothing, right? It is Jesus plus nothing equals something. It's something incredible, equals everything. And it's so important for us to understand. Over these weeks, you've seen and we see that Paul continues to contend that there is one gospel. That's all there is. There, there's, there's one gospel that we read in the word of God. And if you tweak it in any way, and if you kind of add something to it, if you make a variation of it, it ceases to have the power of the gospel in our lives. If we tweak it, if, we, if, we, if you're no longer dealing with the gospel. As we, I preached this series uh, years ago uh, at our church and, and another church actually also. And uh, when you get into week two, week three, week four, I know you guys are like, okay, we get it. We got it. The gospel is everything. You know, how many more weeks is this series? Like, come on, we got it. The gospel, yes. And, and, and I think it's so good because uh, Martin Luther used this book, as Pastor Dan shared, to, to really lead a lot of the, the reformation of what we know as the Protestant church. And, man, uh, this guy loved the book of Galatians so much that he said, I mean, he's written all kinds of things. And he says, I encourage you to read the book of Galatians 3,000 times before you read anything I wrote. That's how much he loved this book. He actually called this book his bride. That's how much he loved and shaped around the book of Galatians and the faith of that. But so he was leading a church at this time and, and the people came to the pastor him, him, when he's pastoring one time and said, Pastor, like, why is it that week after week you keep preaching the gospel? As if they were saying, all right, already, we get it. We got it. Can we move on to something else? And his response was, well, week after week, you walk in here like people who have not heard the gospel, are not walking in the freedom and the liberty that comes with the gospel. So week after week, I'm going to encourage you and remind you of the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves you, changed you, liberates you, and sets you free. And that's what he did until his dying day. Right? And some of us are like that. Some of you here, you've grown up around church. You've heard it again and again and again guess what? It's good to hear it again. And I need to hear it again. And let it never get old of hearing it because we're told by scripture, we're told in songs, I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to leave the God I love. And we want to add things to this beautiful message of the gospel. We're, we're prone to drift away from this message of the truth of God's word. As we even see with Paul, with Peter and Barnabas today. And, I, and I've learned something about drifting here lately. Um, we just got back from, I'm, I'm living in Georgia now. In Georgia, they have this amazing thing called fall break for kids. So like it just starts cooling off and people go to Florida to go warm up because it started to get the 70s. Time to go get hot again. And so, um, and so we, we go down to Florida and um, we brought our... Uh, we brought some paddle boards that we had, stand-up paddle boards, and was not using those as much. So we sold, used them for a few days in Florida, and then I sold them. And so I had, um, had some toy money because that wasn't really budgeted money. I wasn't planning on keeping these things. So I had some toy money. And so I was like, I, I got to buy a new toy. And so I like to try to stay young, even though I'm sporting this haircut and I got a bit of gray. I like to continue to try new things that keep me young. So I spent my money on what they call a one wheel. Anybody know what a one wheel is? Yes, uh, I think we've got a picture of, of a one wheel right here. 
A lot of fun, a lot of great. And I was, I was uh, taking a little bit to get the feel of this thing. If you've never ridden one of these things, it, it kind of holds itself up like this. And, and so I, and I, I'm getting the feel for it. But the guy I bought it from, I bought it off Facebook. And he says, all right, now you've got to be careful for this thing. It's got this thing called pushback. And it's a safety mechanism. And I'm like, pushback? What is that? Well, what is pushback? Thank you for asking. You want to know what pushback is, don't you, right? So how this thing works is, is you push forward with your foot and it goes forward. And if you lift up like this, it's supposed to stop and slow down or go like this. But this thing has this thing when you start going too fast, when you start getting a little bit off center, it, the, the nose starts to lift up. So the point is that it kind of starts doing a wheelie. So naturally your foot will lift up. Well, for me... When this thing is going 16 miles an hour down a road and it was getting the speed and the nose starts going up, it is not a natural reaction to lean with, let's do a wheelie right now. My natural reaction is push that nose down. And so here I am fighting the pushback. It's trying to tell me to slow down and I'm trying to push it. No, don't, no, no, don't do a wheelie. And I'm pushing it. And then the ground is getting wobbly because the footing is getting wobbly and I'm fighting the pushback. And then... How many of you have ever ridden a skateboard or a one wheel and you've gotten the horrible thing called speed wobble? Whoo, scariest thing in the world is speed wobble. Got speed wobble, the thing is going. And so I just bailed. I jumped and I took a bit of the pavement from floor to here, a bit here, a bit. I still got a, I still got a knee that needs prayer today. And uh, so because I fought the pushback, I didn't lean with the pushback, right? And so I tell you this story because I sense today in our world, many believers right now are drifting away from the gospel, the pure gospel. They're, they're drifting away and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to people and they come to the word of the Lord and he's calling us to come back on track. And instead of leaning into when the Holy Spirit is convicting us and leaning in when we read scripture and says this, we, we, we fight the pushback. We fight the pushback that comes and, we, and what happens is that the, the ground that we start to stand on gets wobbly because we're not standing on that firm foundation that we just sang about. We're not standing on the gospel. And when we stand on anything else than the gospel, it gets wobbly and we fight it and we fight it and we bail and we do a nosedive because you're standing on something that is not firm. Guys, in our world today amongst way too many believers, I'm seeing people where we're drifting in one lane or the other. Not too many are drifting automatically into more Bible study, more, more prayer, more fasting. A lot are drifting into an area of justification where we're listening to things of the world's thoughts and the world's philosophies and shifting and changing. Even, you know, I'd say an, he was a friend and more like an acquaintance now. When, when I was planting River City Church in uh, Batavia years ago, he had been planting on the south side of Chicago and uh, went and hung out with them because I loved the things that they were doing and the heart that he had. And since then, he's, he's left his church and changed a lot of his philosophy. Now he spends his Sundays posting things like this on Facebook. A guy that planted a church, a guy that used to preach the gospel says, Psychology damaging, a psychologically damaging concept that is being taught to adults and kids all over the world is we are fundamentally broken in need of repair and saving of our, from ourselves. I could not disagree more. Any system that teaches this, get away from, far away from, it affects every part of your life. The truth is, it isn't something you have to earn. The true gift isn't found in anyone else. It isn't outside of you. It's been inside you the whole time. 
You don't have to accept anyone into your heart to fix you. There's no sinful condition you were born into that needs cured or forgiven. There's no book of teachings or doctrines that you need to obey. There's nothing to fix. There's just truth. Become who you've always been. That is not the gospel that has drifted so far away. And his, his, his thoughts, now he's using that and his platform of where he led people to know the gospel and shifted and changed. So that's where some people, when we fall into these philosophies of the world, one justification at a time, one thing of just changing the philosophy moves us on drifting over this way. And then at the same time, I'm walking and I've reconnected with an, an old friend that I went to, to youth group with now that we're down in Georgia and talking with him, and, and he's, he's working through, and I'm walking with him through some of the damaging stuff that he picked up as a kid growing up around church and, and religion and stuff like this, and just these extra, his, his parents are very overbearing with the rules and the regulations, and, and, I, and I love the, the Jewish feast and all the things that they represent, but their family like practiced them in such a way that almost it was like he picked up that this was needed for my salvation, Instead of, I, I need to practice these things. And then he, he picked up this belief that people were telling him, you need to speak in tongues in order for you to be saved. And so these, this is the other side of it, of adding things to the gospel that were never there. And so you've got this place right now that we're supposed to be in the middle. And I see so many people drifting. And sometimes it's a reaction to this, that we got to drift over here. We have a tendency to drift. And this is why the book of Galatians is so needed, so necessary, because it speaks to both of those when we have a tendency to drift both ways. And, we, and that pushback comes from the Holy Spirit. Hey, get back in line. Get back on the solid ground of the gospel. Because for many of us, we don't naturally lean into just more holiness. We have to choose that, to stand upon that. So back to Galatians. And this is what's happening in this young church in Young church here and a little, little uh, history just for those that are catching up here, maybe missed some of the other parts of the week or, or knowing, understanding Christian faith and where it came from is that it, Christianity was birthed out of the Jewish people. Jesus himself was a Jew, right? This is where, this is where the, the gospel first came to the Jewish people. And it stayed there until like after the day of Pentecost and then the, the persecution breaks out from the church. Christianity is now spreading to people that do not have a Jewish background and Jewish beliefs. And, and the Jews, for those that they have the Old Testament, they have the laws, they have all the regulations that, that made them different. And so as, as, the, as the gospel continues to, to be spread from Israel to around the world to beautiful places like Pastor Dan and Pastor Abigail are in right now in Greece, they're, they're getting to places further away from Israel. So there's less of those that have the Jewish history and Jewish heritage and Jewish dietary laws and circumcision and, and all the things that, that they've carried with them. And there's still a small majority of them, but the small majority has a very loud voice. Have you ever known that true? People with the, the small majority always has a, a very loud voice. And, and so Paul is, is preaching here. And then he go, he, and, he, and, and then these people come along and get these, these Judaizers you heard about last week, they come along and say, yeah, yes, we believe in Christ. Yes, we believe he died for our sins. We believe he rose from the grave. But we ultimately believe that God gave us the law for specific reasons. And, 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 and we, don't, we, don't, we don't separate that from our faith in Christ. 
We believe in Jesus, but we also believe in the resurrection, but we also believe in circumcision. We believe in dietary laws. You see, for, for the Jewish people, circumcision and dietary laws and these other things that they would follow, I mean, they, they were so ingrained in them. And it was, so, it was such a thing that as God had chosen this people to be a different people, to be separate from other nations around them. It was their distinction and how they looked different and how God set them apart. And it was their mark. And so they, they, clearly it wasn't always bad intentions. Like, hey, you Gentile believers, you that do not have this Jewish history and and background. We want you to look distinct. We want you to look different the same way that we are. We want you to stand out and be different. And so these guys come, these, these Judaizers, and it's like, yeah, the Apostle Paul's gone at this time. And he's like, yeah, he kind of had it right. But we want to tell you a few more things you're supposed to do in order to really be walking with Jesus. Yes, believe in Jesus. Yes, faith, but circumcision and dietary laws. See, they, they have a fear that I think is present, I know, in me sometimes as a preacher, as a pastor, maybe you as a parent, is that if you just preach the gospel alone, people won't act right. <laughs> people won't do the right thing. We got to preach the gospel and give them the rules to follow with it. They, they won't become moral on their own if we don't give them the moral laws to obey, right? I mean, if you remove, and, and if, you, if you remove works, who's going to help us to set up the church? And, and if you remove all, all of the guilt and the, and the shame of not walking straight and walking perfectly, like, what's going to happen? They're going to end up looking and doing what the world does, and they're, they're going to hurt their relationships, and they're going to hurt their family, and they're going to mess up their, 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 their marriages and all this stuff. And so that's the argument. Okay, let's give rules on top of the gospel. Anybody ever felt that way, right? Rules are good. They help us a whole lot. But cannot add to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the one who has paid. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. So we drift. Some of us drift into justifying our sins more. And some of us just drift into religiosity and putting extra burdens and weights and hypocrisy on ourselves. So as we read this, let's see where we fall. Again, to Galatians 2, it says, But when, this is Paul, came to Peter in Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This most awkward, strange interaction, I think, in the New Testament. If you've got, you know, Paul planting churches, apostle, amazing guy, doing amazing things, and he comes to Peter and opposes him to his face for what he did wrong. It says, like, when I, when I first came, when I first arrived, you were eating together with the Gentiles. You were having a good time. You, you didn't, you, you, you understood it. You were there with them. You know, you were having dinner with Titus. You know, Titus, who is, who's a, who is, who's Greek. I mean, you were having lunch and dinner with a pork loving, bacon eating, you know, friend and having a good time and all this. And then I left and come back. And afterwards, you, these people from James comes, he says. We'll find out later on they did not come from James. He says, now you won't eat with them anymore. And, and, and because you're afraid of the criticism of man. You're falling into this fear of man. So as we see, as you dig around there, in the, and especially in the book of Acts, you'll see that, that Paul plants these churches, and he goes out to a different area, maybe other preaching areas around there. Um, and, and then he comes back, and, and it's like he, he left, and everybody was getting along great, and Jews and Gentiles were all hanging out together and everything, and he comes back, and now all of a sudden they're segregated and they're separated. And he's like, what, what, what happened? What, what's going on? And, and first we're like, okay, what's the big deal? 
is this junior high and we're worried about what table people are sitting at, you know, or are we worried about like, oh, they're sitting, there's the cool kid table, there's the, there's the goth table, there's the jock table, right? Like, is that what we're talking about here? No, no, it's like, like trying to, to understand this. And we don't always fully get this in our American concept, American mindset, because like, this is of who you eat with and how you eat and this, this culinary culture that they were is, is so different than ours. I mean, listen, we are in Chicago land. We love some food here, right? Like we are some food loving people, right? But most of the time, most of your days, it's based on um, efficiency, speed, and price, right? On my way here, uh, flying out of Atlanta, I had to stop and get some gas. So I go to, go to Costco to get my gas because it's $2.89 in Georgia. All right, uh, <laughs> at Costco. And uh, while, while you're at Costco, you're like, I can get a pop and a hot dog for $1.50? Yes, let's do this and get on my way. You know, it's not all about, the, the, this, the, it's all about convenience, right? But in this culture, much of the day was around the planning of the meal and who you eat with. And it was, it was, it was this, this, this social interaction. And you sit down and it was spending time really getting to know each other. And this is why we see in the Gospels that Jesus, by the religious leaders, what was he criticized a lot of times for? Eating with sinners and tax collectors. You know, like so this thing about this association of who you eat with. And so Paul, Peter was, was sitting with the Gentiles, people that were eating different things and different dietary laws than he had. And he was all fine with it because he knew it was by grace, by faith alone. But all of a sudden, these other men come and they say they're from James, which again, you read in Acts 15, you come to find out the apostles say in their letters said, hey, some men came out from us to disturb you. But they did not come with our authority. They did not go as our spokesmen. So they say that they came from the apostles. They say that they, and they didn't say they came from the apostles. They said they came from James. Like they're like name dropping. Like Jesus' brother is who we come with with this message, you know? Like don't you guys hate when someone like name drops? Like, oh yeah, Kanye called me the other day and we were talking, you know? And like, you don't even, Kanye, his name is Yee now. Don't you know? Like, <laughs> aren't you up to it? You know, and like, oh, so anyway. So it's shocking is that what's most shocking about this is this is Peter, guys. This is Peter, the one who, you know, walked on the water, the one who denied Jesus three times, the one who Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, the one who Jesus restored and he gets up and preaches the 3,000 people once he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they get saved and baptized, amazing. And so what's crazy about that it's Peter's. If you, if you keep your finger there in Galatians 2 and you go to Acts 10, you'll, you'll see that this is why it's so shocking is that Peter's already fought this fight. Again, at, the, at this time as the gospel is going forward, most people that are coming to know Christ are Jewish heritage, Jewish background. And all of that starts to change around Acts 10. And you start to see that um, they are now reaching other people. And then there's this one day that, that Peter is in a time of prayer. And then also it gets really complex really fast because now this thing expands not just for the Jewish believers, Jewish heritage people. God is like, this is coming together for all people. So there's, there's a man in Caesarea named Cornelius and he's a centurion uh, of the Italian regiment of the, and he's a, a, a man that fears the Lord. He gives money uh, to the poor. He prays every day and he, he's an upright standing man. And but he's not Jewish, clearly. One day he's praying, 
and he hears this angel come and say to him, say, hey, there's, a, there's, this, there's this guy named Simon Peter who's hanging out at Simon the Tanner's house over by the sea. I, I need you to send him a message and bring him to you. Like that's this guy that's not a Jewish, Jewish background has an angel appear and say that. At the same time, simultaneously, Peter is on the roof of the house of Simon the Tanner praying. And as he's praying, he has this vision of this sheet that's lowered down with all of these animals in it. And this is what God says to him. This is what the Spirit says to him in Acts 10, 13. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. You go, really, Peter? How many times are you going to argue with Jesus? How many times have you, have you argued with Jesus and lost this battle? You still, there's still something. That's why we love Peter, right? We can resonate like, no, I've never done this. He's like, how many times are you going to do this? He's arguing. He says, by no means. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Then the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back up to heaven. And Peter was left wondering about what this could mean. And this vision. And then the men from Cornelius were outside Simon's house and stopped at the gate. I love how I believe another translation says, Peter was inwardly perplexed. Sounds like something out of Princess Bride or something, right? Inwardly perplexed. And then he's still trying to figure out this vision he had. And then these men from Cornelius' house are at the gate right away. And so long story short, Peter, they, 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 they tell him to come along. And he's going over to their house and stuff. And then he's about to go into their home. And he says this, verse 28. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for Jews to associate with or visit Gentiles. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. He put it together. Okay, God just told me, I, they've had all these rules, all these laws. I don't eat with Gentiles. I don't do this. I, I, don't, I don't go into their house. I don't sit down at the table with them. But God just told me, don't call anything unpure, unclean, that it's not, right? So then they have this great dialogue. They're, they put it together. You were having this vision. God was praying to me at the same time. Holy Spirit's here. All this stuff happening. Verse 44, while Peter was speaking these words and put together, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter. Peter had a crew come with him of Jewish believers. And they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the filthy, dirty Gentiles. That's how it's saying right there. What? They heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. What in the world? Like, and, and then Peter stands up and says, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized in water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he ordered that be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Awesome. See, for those that are considering baptism, it's in the Bible all the time. You guys are having baptism next week. It is, the, it is what we are supposed to do. It's an act of obedience, of following. When we respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, we get baptized. Side note. Now, all that amazing stuff, revival happening. They're speaking in tongues. They're getting baptized. They're doing all kinds of crazy things in this house. And then it comes to Acts 11. Now Peter leaves Cornelius' house. He went up to Jerusalem. And the circumcised believers criticized them and said, you went into the house of an uncircumcised 
Gentile and ate with them? Haters are going to hate, right? I mean, what? They just heard. They just, how crazy is that? They just heard the testimony of people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, getting baptized, getting saved. This is, the, this is the fulfillment of what has been said since Genesis that Jesus was coming for all nations and that through the seed of Eve that all people, all nations were going to be brought back to him. This is the Abrahamic covenant. This is all of it being brought together. They're seeing it happen right before their eyes. They're seeing this thing move from just the Jewish nation to being available to all people. And they say, Peter, you ate a McRib sandwich? And Peter's like, it was a limited time offer. It was only here for a short time. <laughs> and so he's like, I mean, what would you do? Like, you dummy. Like, the Holy Spirit fell. What am I supposed to do? And that's pretty much what he says. He says, the Holy Spirit fell. Who am I to argue with God? How, who am I to argue with God? What, what do you want me to do? I baptized them because the Spirit fell. Now this is what, this is why I tell that whole long story is that because this is that Peter that experienced that, that amazing moment. Now years later, he's here at this church and now he's separated himself. This guy that had this amazing experience, to, to use Pastor Dan's phrase from last week, he said that this Peter was a, the first freedom fighter. He was the freedom fighter that brought the, that shared the fruit the true freedom of Christ and that he meets everybody. And like, so Peter was the freedom fighter. And then all of a sudden, he's just kind of slowly drifted because of fear of man and picking up some hypocrisy along the way. And he stood accused. And he was somehow by those other influences, other voices, he was wooed away from fully trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Goes on verse 13. Gets worse. He says, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. Peter, they followed your lead. Peter, they saw who you were. They saw you separating yourself and sitting at different tables. So they did the same thing. Even Barnabas, the nicest guy in the New Testament, was swayed by your hypocrisy. What is going on? And here's the thing about hypocrisy is that I see this is Peter, this is Barnabas, this is people we look to. There's like churches built after them. There's amazing guys, right? The thing is that we all can fall into hypocrisy. I, 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 am, I am constantly swayed to, to either buy into nominal Christianity, like just, just do the minimal part, do the minimal part. And, and, and nominal Christianity and, and hypocrisy, it's contagious. We, we, we affect other people around us with that. And I'm, 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 I would say that, there, that the process of this life and this journey of being with Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, is continually, no matter if you've been following Jesus for one week, 25 years, 30 years, is he's continuing to root out the hypocrisy in our lives. He's continuing to pull out things that I've held on to, that we've held on to over time. Because like, and I would say even in, in this season, it's going to be, go off my notes here, a really real season for me, like 
after 21 years of full-time vocational ministry, currently right now, I am not in full-time vocational ministry. And it's been a weird time. It's been a strange season, but it's been beautiful at the same time. Because even in my own heart, my own life, there's been some motives that have been revealed. There's been some own hypocrisy, I think, that's been there that I didn't know that I was even holding on to. I've, I was sharing with, with some of the team here before of like just when, when you've been a pastor and you, you've been a missionary and church planner and all these things. And sometimes my, my, it starts with the motive of like, Jesus, you deserve it. All. I want to do this. But over time, it starts to creep in. And I think like Jesus loves me more because I did this. Jesus answers my prayers more because of what I've sacrificed. Jesus owes me something extra because of this. And that is a drifting away from the gospel. That is this slow, and it, it sounds okay in my ear. But the Holy Spirit has been convicting me and showing me these things that I didn't, I didn't even know were there. But at the same time, it's refined me. And it's caused me to go, what do I believe? What do I stand on? What do I put my trust in? And this is, again, being, being open, being vulnerable. If I, as a pastor, missionary, like the, the, and, and a Christ follower, like it all gets blended and mixed up together. And like, okay, what, what is my job? And what, who is who I am? And, what, and guess what? These last nine months of not being in full-time ministry, I've prayed. I've read my Bible. I've listened to sermons. I've prayed in the spirit. I've put on worship music and all this stuff. And I know as simple as that sounds, it's been refining of like, that's who I am. It's not my job. And it's been so beautiful. And guess who I preach the gospel the most to nowadays? Myself. Because guess what? I need the gospel myself. I need to preach it to myself. Because I can have a good day. I can have a bad day. And listen, most of the, most of the bad thoughts, most of the things where I feel like I don't measure up to Jesus, it's not accusations that I listen to of some other preacher trying to put something on me. I know what the word of God says, but the accusations actually come from my own heart. They actually come from my own self, of my own, like, putting myself down and, 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 and myself feeling bad. And, I, and, I, and I, on most days, I can preach, my, preach the gospel to myself. It's not always coming from others. Because the, even though the law is beautiful, the law is amazing, the law shows us in the Old Testament, it shows us that there is a good God. It shows us who, the law shows us who God is. It shows us his holiness. It shows us that, that we do come up short, that we are sinners in need of saving. The law is wonderful. The law is beautiful. The law shows us that there is a holy God and we have to stand before him and we don't measure up. But so often when we fall into this area of trying to follow the law perfectly, and as they're doing here, of trying to, trying to follow it, we, we, we can't. And we're putting, we're putting an expectation on the law that it cannot do. It cannot set me free. It cannot give me the freedom and the liberty that the gospel does. It points out my sin. It shows that I need a savior. It shows that I, I should love God. It shows that I should love my wife, that I shouldn't covet others and, and all of this. But it doesn't give me the power to do so. But Jesus does. Jesus does. The law is the diagnosis. It's not the cure. The law has the ability. The law has no ability to, to save me from my failures. And so I need to preach the gospel to my 
I need to preach the gospel. And I read this story as crazy as it is that Paul gets in Peter's face and accuses him in front of others and calls him out. It actually gives me hope. Because if Peter and Barnabas can get knocked off track and they can drift away into a moment, I know that the gospel has the ability to pull me back to center. How do we do it? You know, like, we, 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 so how do, we, how do we stay on track? How do we not drift in this world? I need a steady diet of the gospel. I need it. I need it. How many songs can be sung about what Jesus has done for me? How many songs can be written? How many books can be written? How many sermons can be preached? Not enough. There is not enough to talk about what he has done. I can hear it 1,000 times. I can hear it every single day, but it does not get old because myself will tell me that it's too good to be true, and that's why it's good news, right? How is this possible? How is it possible? It's because of Christ. It's the great exchange that Christ came and took God's wrath, the wrath of my sin that was now laid on me, and he took it. And beyond that, he comes, and now he exchanges and imputes his righteousness upon me. So now when God looks at me, he is not seeing me guilty and full of shame and full of sin. No, he sees me as Christ. I am in Christ. Christ is in me, right? This is the gospel. We don't get tired of it. Even though we know we are prone to wander, I'm prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart. It is sealed from this day forward. Christ has sealed my heart. For the courts above, I have a tendency to drift. I have a tendency to wander into self-diagnosing and seeing how I'm doing and comparing myself to others and adding these rules and making myself feel better. Or others, we can have tendencies to justify our sinfulness, to be, oh, it's not that big of a deal. God doesn't really mind. And we move into these philosophies of the day and we kind of mix the gospel with new age and Buddhism and self-thought and and health and self-care. And it's not the gospel. And we need people. This is why community, I love it that you guys are going through these Galatians and groups. You need people around you to preach the gospel to you also. You need people around you. I need people. I need men in my life to point out when I am drifting away of, hey, Damien, hey, hey, how you're treating your family, how you're treating your wife, how you're treating your kids, how you're going after these other things. You are not believing the gospel. Do we have people like a Paul in our life that will call us out and say, hey, you're not believing the gospel. We drift just like I did on that one wheel. I drifted and the pushback came. Do we listen to the pushback of that Holy Spirit, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, or do we fight it? When we fight it, we eat dirt. (laughs) When we fight it, we land on our face. (laughs) Pushback. So Paul confronts Peter. We love Peter. We probably teach about Peter more than anyone else. I think he's the, the apostle, the disciple that we like resonate the most with because he's just made these huge blunders, these huge mistakes that this guy, like, and, and he's been confronted time and time again by Jesus, now by other apostles. But there's nowhere in the record of scriptures that says that Peter became angry. It doesn't show that he reacted, rejected, what Paul said. 
It doesn't say that he, he became distraught and came away. He didn't go sulk, become discouraged, and think he's gotten disqualified from ministry. All that we see is that he responded. So how do we do? How do we respond when the Holy Spirit's possibly speaking to some of you right now? I know he is speaking to some right now. These areas of drift that has happened from one side to the other. How do we respond when the word comes? Do, 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 we, do we discard it and not listen? Or do we justify it? Or do we just push off and, and keep moving forward with our hypocrisy or our justification? There's resistance to the pushback. And some, as we see previously with Peter, before he knew fully who Jesus was and before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he wanted to disqualify himself that we see in the end of the book of uh, John. Sometimes we want to disqualify ourselves when we've messed up, when we drifted. But he's the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God of fourth chances. He keeps calling us back. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That is the firm foundation on which we stand. In my men's group this uh, last week, a friend of mine told me a story about his dog. And their dog is, is this was like the, the best dog that anybody can have. Is their fa- they've had a few different pets, and this is their very favorite dog that they've ever had. This was a joyful dog. He was a loving dog, playful, affectionate, caring dog. I mean, I, I mean just played well with kids, cuddled on the couch, obeyed, all this stuff. And, and as, as the kids got older and their lives got busier, they were out of the house more. And whenever they would be gone all day and they'd come home, he would meet them at the door just full of licks and cuddles and going through your legs and just, just all excited to see you. And, but as life got busier and busier, they, they come to find out that this dog had an eight-hour bladder. <laughs> He could only make it eight hours. And some days, a few times, their life would get distracted. Things would not go as planned. Things would, things, the, the schedule would be confused. Oh, we thought someone was going to let the dog out and someone didn't let the dog out. And the moment they got home, they knew that the dog, that someone had not been home in eight hours. Not because of the smell. But because the dog was not there. And they would call the dog and the dog would be, they couldn't find them, be hiding. And then over time, as this happened a couple of times, they couldn't find out every single time they'd go hide under mom and dad's bed and be back in the corner. And they, 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 they weren't upset, they weren't angry, and they'd get down and they'd try to give him treats, call his name, even gave him bacon, and the dog would not come out. And the dog would just sit there. And then they would go downstairs about their business, making dinner, and ever so slowly, the dog would come down the stairs, kind of standing at a distance. It would be about two hours for the dog to come and slowly rub up against someone's leg. And then eventually that evening to cuddle up. As you hear this message today, and the Holy Spirit is possibly convicting you in areas of drift, that you've gone different ways. I want you to know that your heavenly father is not upset with you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He does not want you to be discouraged. He does not want you to go hide in deep shame because that's not the gospel. He doesn't want you to have to go and do penance under the bed, hiding in darkness and slowly coming back around. He wants to say, come, 
Come on, I want, uh, this is not your identity. You, you, whether you've been justifying your sin, whether you've been falling into hypocrisy and adding religiosity, Jesus has come to forgive you of your sins. And that is the power of the gospel, right? That is the power of the gospel. It's not weights, it's not rules. This, and these things can, so wherever you are, whether you're one that has drifted into justification. But maybe sometimes in church, some of the harder ones is the ones that have justified and has fallen into hypocrisy. And without even knowing it, your hypocrisy, if you really examine it, it's you put burdens and weights on yourself that God never asked you to carry. And your hypocrisy has actually spread to others in your family. Your hypocrisy has actually maybe even caused others to view God the wrong way. And I'm not saying this to shame you. I'm saying this to say, your father is not mad. Don't hide in shame. Just return to him. Return to the gospel. Return to the truth of the gospel because we need it. We never get tired of hearing the power and the truth of the gospel. It sets us free. It gives us our identity. It tells us who we are. Would you guys stand with me as we close in prayer? And we're going to sing this song. About Jesus, he, he, he says who I, who I am. All the identities of man. All, even as we saw that Peter fell into the criticism of men around him. It doesn't matter the criticism of other men. It doesn't matter what other people think. We live for an audience of one. He's the one that we want to please. He's the one that we want to be right with. And how are we made right? By faith in Jesus Christ alone, by the faith that he has forgiven us of our sins. Lord, we thank you for this message, Lord, of the cross. We've said it over and over again. But Lord, let us never get tired of hearing it, Lord, that you have taken our sins upon yourself freely, willingly, by your choice. You have done this, Lord. Thank you for doing that. You have taken the very wrath of God against sin, a holy God that cannot be in the presence of sin. You've taken that, you've absorbed it. So we don't have to carry the shame. You took the shame on that cross. We don't have to take the pain. You took the pain for us, Lord. And beyond that, Lord, <laughs> you even went beyond that. And you gave us your righteousness. You gave us what we could not earn, what we could not deserve, Lord. And you, you forgave us of our sins. And now you've said that we are holy, we are righteous, we are in right standing with God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. Lord, let us believe it deep in our bones. Let us believe it today. Let us believe it tonight. Let us believe it when we start to drift. Let us believe it tomorrow, this week, and for years to come. Lord, that when we, we the moment we feel that we are on shaky ground, Lord, we come back to the firm foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let it never get old. Let it never get tired. Lord, let us sing more songs. Let us write more songs. Let us more, more poems, more writings come out, Lord, about the greatness of our God. Lord, I pray for those that they've heard it so much it's, it's just become white noise. Holy Spirit, light the fire again. Light it again. It's just as following the Holy Spirit, I, I know we're going to sing this song, but I just, uh, 
even my friend that I shared about, and you guys probably have many others that you know that have drifted away from the gospel. Let's just take a moment. Holy Spirit, we pray for our friends, our family members, our coworkers, spiritual leaders, Lord, that have taken away from the gospel, mixed it, Lord, or have added things to it. Lord, I pray that at this time right now, you would awaken the church to come back to stand upon the word of God and the truth of your word, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for my friend, Lord Jesus, who is, is, is leading others away, Lord, from you. Lord, I ask that you would convict his heart, that you would show him, Lord Jesus, of his wrong and draw him back to you, Lord. And all the others that he represents, Lord, that have abandoned their faith because life has gotten hard, unanswered questions, th things have been challenging, Lord. But Lord, we come back to this truth, Lord. We stand upon you and your word, Lord. And you are, we are who you say we are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com slash give. We hope you have a great week.